And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. You're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Burns and Gambo, Big Red Monday, Crosstalk. All right, Big Red Crosstalk on a Tuesday. Kellen did lobby for Big Sedona Red Crosstalk. I tried. (laughs) Burnsy might be be into it. You could throw in a minute or two at the end. Be happy to give some thoughts on Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays. Kellen wants to talk Dalton Varsho. He may wander back into the studio during your show, just so you know. (laughs) I saw his tweet where he he pitched for uh, six segments of Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays. I, I, I assume that was rejected. Uh, that, that got accepted for one segment. The U of A ASU preview, I couldn't even get it out of my mouth before Aaron like, <laughs> stared at me with such disdain. Where I was like, oh, okay. I know it's like four days away, but you got, you got a while. You know, you, you, you could probably sit on that one a little Bobby bit. Early, it's okay. Finally putting things together uh, now. I think that story will, will age just fine. Anyone You'll be watching okay. Desmond Cambridge out there? We don't want to talk about Desmond Cambridge. We, we might want to by the end of this segment. I, but uh, I don't want to hear about it if your voice is going to raise that many octaves. <laughs> that, that's that's, that's putting the kibosh on it right there. It's like, whoa. Get down, Kellen. Get down. That was the whole pre-show meeting. <laughs> I'll talk about Kirk Risa for seven hours, and I'll do it for free. I'll donate the money to charity. Was able to fit all his Gabriel Moreno talk. He made like the whole elevator pitch, but it was like a 15-minute pitch in 30 seconds. <laughs> it's the longest elevator ride yeah. in the history of the world. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've delayed long enough. Yes. The Cardinals played on Sunday, Bernsey, and they lost a game that I— by the end of that game, found myself thinking this, and I, I admit this is this sounds crazy when you say it. They should have won the last four games. Not that they've played well enough to win the last four games, but if you look at the last four games, three of the teams they've played are bad, and those were winnable games. And then the fourth one was the Chargers game, where if they just get a first down, they win it. So like their last four games are what? It's it's the Chargers. There's the game against New England in there, where okay. if, if Hopkins doesn't fumble. It didn't feel like New England was moving the ball until the Cardinals started turning it over to them. Then there was the uh, the Denver game, which, I mean, look, if you just hang around against Denver, they'll melt down and start fighting themselves. And then there was the game yesterday where I think if you just run the ball with James Conner on third down, you probably win that one. Probably, but that, but and yet at the same time, it felt the least winnable to me of the four because of you-know-who on the other side. And it, there was just something about, you know, now, I, granted, I watched that game, full disclosure, I was making rather merry on Sunday night as the as the old line goes in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So I was kind of half in, half out watching the game, knowing that I wasn't going to work. So I watched it in full yesterday, knowing exactly how it ended. But even when I was kind of watching it on Sunday, they're up 10 in the fourth quarter. And it was one of those, we all know how this is going to end, right? Anything on offense. Right? It was just, yeah. we all know. I think I turned to the group and I said, we all know how this is going to end, right? We don't, but we know how this is going to end. It's Tom Brady. He'll do something Tom Brady-like in the card will do something that's very anti-Tom Brady-like, and it'll all end with a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, win. And and yeah, the the pitch to Keontae Ingram, if it's James Conner in there, he picks up a yard, they probably win the game, but this whole season has been built uh, like a house of cards on just little moments like that, where if this, or that, or this, or that, and eventually you leave a window that wide open for a guy like Tom Brady, he's going to figure out a way to break some glass and get through 
through that window, and that's exactly what happened. Even he didn't night. seem that enthusiastic. He's like, yeah, 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 I came back. We won an overtime. Well, cool. he, well, he was all credit to the Cardinals' defense. Man, he looked awful, didn't he? Tom Brady, he looked <sighs> for the first two-thirds of that game, three-quarters of that game, he uh, missing everything. I mean, even at one point, Collinsworth is like, I don't even know what to say about that. It was like a four-yard pass I can't remember who. Might have been Gage, and it was so off the mark that Collinsworth was flabbergasted on the air. Like, I, I don't know what to say. That's Tom. That's a throw that Tom Brady should make in his sleep, and for three-quarters, he couldn't make any of those. I've throws. supported the Tom Brady's washed agenda for over two years now. I think that he's been there, but on the Mike Evans miss really early where he was in the end zone he was wide open and that is a throw you watch that is a difficult throw but good NFL quarterbacks nail that in their sleep and it's Tom freaking Brady the best ever do it that throw was so bad that I messaged Tyler Drake at the game on teams and was like hey did did he miss that because I the camera angle I just didn't trust it I was like he didn't miss it that bad like maybe like Evans like stuttered or something maybe the angle was weird and it didn't really show where the ball was and then Drake was like it was probably even worse in person like it was he missed him by a mile and and that was just I'm curious so you've said this before it's been well documented Bernsey that you are not the guy who will sit there and go we're losing draft picks yes but in a game like this where it goes to overtime, did it even cross your head as Tampa Bay was getting into field goal position? Like, oh no, they're gonna, you, you know what I mean? Because no, me, because me, I'm, I'm there. When when they, I wasn't there necessarily in cheering for the Bucks by any means. But when they were driving down, I was like, okay, they're losing. Good Will Anderson or Jalen Carter is still a realistic possibility right now. We'll see. Did yeah, it come up in your head at all? I'm there. I'm, I'm there. And I and I know I have been the guy. It's just to me, it's there's so much nuance in it. But to me, it's like. I'm 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 gonna invest three hours of my life. All right, the the Broncos game. I invested three hours of my life into watching that game. I I don't know why. I had many other things I could have been doing that day, but I I and I can't sit there and say the team that I've always wanted to win for the next three hours. I want them to lose. I just can't bring myself emotionally to to want that to happen. But at the end, when it's very obvious that that is what's going to happen, yeah, there's that part of my brain that says, you know, this is the best thing that could have happened. To them is that they're going to have the sixth pick and now it's the fourth pick and who knows where it's going to end up. I mean, this weekend, this weekend against Atlanta is a huge game in that regard. Huge. Look who's picking fifth yeah. in the NFL draft right now. Okay, so, so am I going to root for the Cardinals to lose? Again, root is just way too strong of a word, but will I watch that game knowing in my mind the best possible outcome is for them to lose that game? Absolutely. I will do that because you look at the draft and you start looking at all the quarterback needy teams that are kind of lined up behind the Cardinals, the Falcons being one of them. And the Cardinals put themselves in an unbelievable position to hit the mother load when it comes to some kind of a trade for some team that wants to move up and take that pick. So there's that part of it, too. I didn't want to hammer too much on the show, to be honest, because you two specifically are going to be talking about this until your eyes bleed pretty much for the next four months in terms of the NFL draft and just how how much the position matters and who goes where, but it just seems like the way that it's lining up right now to contextualize what you and I were just talking about, Bernsey, Texans are going to go first. They're they're, going to take a quarterback. It sounds like Bryce Young is the guy right now. We'll see. I don't know how much the guy changes over the next, but then Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, there are some guys you'll talk to. Will Anderson, edge rusher out of Alabama. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Georgia. 
some draft guys will think one of the two is the best prospect in this draft. And the Cardinals have a chance of picking two, three, four, five and having one of those two guys land there because we all know by April, quarterback one, quarterback two, quarterback three, whatever. Like you said, the Cardinals don't need a quarterback. There are a lot of teams in that range that need a quarterback. There might be a team at two that doesn't really want a quarterback in Atlanta. It's like, oh, we got to go up three first round picks and go get this guy out of South Dakota State or whatever. He's the truth. That's the kind of like situation we're talking about here where if they win one of these two games, all of a sudden they don't get one of those guys, which is why I'm really keeping an eye on it the next two weeks and why, as the pessimistic Cardinals fan, they're going to win one of these it's, two games. It's probably. tougher it's during the game. Like when the game's over and it's like, hey, they just lost. Ooh, but they might get Will Anderson or yeah. they might get eight picks out of this. Yeah. Game. And, and, and I can't, you know, during the game, uh, it, it's, it's tough. It's just, it's hard for me to, to root. I mean, cause root, you just makes it sound like, you know, I, I'm putting on Bucks gear and I'm standing on the couch and I'm, <laughs> you know, and oh, I'm not doing, I'm not doing There's that. That's my goat. But that's my goat. But is there like the realization, okay, the best thing that could happen here is for them to lose this game? Yeah, whether it's to stay around and take the best player who could be a can't-miss type guy or whether it's them to hit some sort of lottery with the draft picks. Now, who knows who's making those picks? And, you know, that that's that, the thing. It, that would clear some stuff up if well, we well, knew who was making the picks and what their philosophy was. But there's no way to know that Normally, right I'd be kind of cynical about who's making the picks. And yeah, go, they just pick third. Right, like, yeah. like, okay, yeah, you got the third pick. Well, yeah, great, but you know, based off of history, am I really that jacked about it? Given how that narrative has changed over the last ten days or go or so, then suddenly that puts a renewed emphasis. Getting really excited about having the number three pick in the draft or number four pick in the draft. It's just we'll just see who's making that pick four months from now. Bernsey, great stuff, man. We'll, Thank you guys. We'll appreciate it. Listening at two Thanks, o'clock. Tim Ring filling in for Gambo today. Looking forward to that. Tim so. Ring, he's standing right behind you, like he was like, "You better say I'm filling in." It's like I knew he was back yeah, there. Look, or at something. look at that chemistry. It's unplanned. Man. All right, we come back. How does this latest Devin Booker injury impact the Suns for the next, I don't know, a couple games, weeks? And we'll get into whatever Kellen Olsen said about DeAndre Ayton an hour ago, too, right as we were going to break. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olsen in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. Getting to some Phoenix Suns here right now. Um, this has been the portion of the show, Kellen. Kellen Olsen's in for Wolf. Over the last I, I, couple weeks, I guess it's changed. But since the start of basketball season, it was sort of like, all right, the Cardinals are struggling. The things are starting to go south with the Cardinals. All right, things have gone very south with the Cardinals. But we're going to talk Suns. We're going to feel better right now, okay? I still think that there is a potential good ending to this season for the Phoenix Suns, but we have to deal with the reality right now on December 27th that they are 3-8 and eight in their last 11, and Devin Booker is out and not even on this trip anymore, and this is not like a two-game road trip. This is game two of it tonight in Memphis, but it goes six games deep. It doesn't mean he's out for all six, but I think just common sense would say they've already been careful with injuries this season. Devin Booker came back. He got re-injured early in the game against Denver on Christmas night. I'm assuming I'm not seeing Devin Booker playing for the Suns for, I don't know, probably a couple weeks, at least one. Is that fair? I I don't know what to feel comfortable with. For those who who don't follow the day-to-days of the Suns that that I cover and everyone else covers, we get limited information in terms of injuries. Every now and then we will get a so-and-so has a so-and-so and and is going to be reevaluated in 
two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever. So we have a good time frame. We got that with Cam Johnson. We don't have a time frame on this right now. But him coming back, game two of a six-game road trip, him coming back here tells me this is something that we need to get our own eyes on under our own building or it is we know what this is and we need to get him doing his rehab under our own. And rehab's a scary word, guys. Rehab three-day injuries, just to be clear. But it, we need to start him on rehab in our building like right now. And that, that to me, is not a good sign just in terms of him being back for the next week or two. And, and the timing, I, their three name, their last 11, all that is well and good. But the Denver game... It, it unofficially started two weeks ago. That's why I put it in a recap the other night. But this Denver trip started a, a, a segment now where they have 10 of their next 12 games on the road. Those are against Denver and Memphis. The, the thing about Memphis tonight, that's a tough draw. Second game of a back-to-back against Washington, who had lost 10 straight before they beat the Suns. Toronto is in a tailspin right now. The Knicks are playing really good basketball. But those, like, the Washington-Toronto game were two specifically where I was looking at, okay, like, those are two big games because they're against beatable teams right now for the way you guys are playing and to kind of get right in the same way they tried against the Clippers, who didn't play anyone. The Pelicans, where Devin Booker single-handedly won the game for them. And then the against the Lakers, who didn't play anyone. That didn't ultimately help them get their footing back, but after that game, the Knicks, who were playing great basketball, Cleveland, who is near the top of the Eastern Conference, Miami, Cleveland, Golden State, Denver, Minnesota, Memphis, Brooklyn, Indiana, Memphis, Indiana in contention for a playoff spot. All those teams speak for themselves. I know that everyone's not up to date on the Brooklyn situation, and it's normally been a tire fire. Brooklyn has really nine in a row. They've won nine in a row. Kevin Durant is maybe the MVP of the league right now. I think that he's the MVP of the league right now with the season that he's having. Memphis, we've already seen them. Denver, we just saw them earlier. Golden State speaks for itself. Cleveland, I mentioned, is near the top of the East. It, it is the hardest part of their schedule right now. So if he misses three weeks and we're talking about that mid-January area where you start to come back home again, that is a brutal, brutal 9, 10, 11 games to not have your best player for. It's, it's really tough to skate by in this stretch. Have they, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but just real quick. Wasn't Cam Johnson was supposed to be one to two months, like almost two months ago now, wasn't it? It was like we're, one and a half months ago. We're in the middle. We're okay. in the middle. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of it. And I, I think like when they get back home uh, the second time, so uh, January 19th against Brooklyn, of course, the DeAndre Ayton game, everyone is, has their eyes on that and the schedule making there that people thought there was some some uh, – some, work at play, some play at work there perhaps with the schedule. That's the part in the schedule where if Cam Johnson's not back by then, that's when I start to ask questions. But he's traveling right now, which is a really good sign that he's he's back to traveling with the team now. I would assume he's back within the next week or two. That's what I would feel comfortable okay. saying. Yeah, his last game was November 4th, and so they said one to two months. It doesn't mean exactly. But yeah, if it was a week to two, then that would be basically around the two months ends of that thing. And it's, it's not like if Cam Johnson comes back, oh, they won't miss Booker. They got Cam Johnson. It's not that. It's just... The stretch of games you just described, they can't go through that without Devin Booker and Cam Johnson and expect to win very many games, especially because like campaigns hurt. Landry Shamit's out tonight. At a certain point, you will need to win some games, too. We were talking about this during the break, and we've talked about it on the air before. I don't want to be in a play-in game, Kellen. And I know that it's only late December right now, and that's fine. And if Devin Booker misses two weeks and then he comes back and he's good the rest of the year, then none of this matters. But they are 3-8 and eight in their last 11. As you pointed out, those three wins, two of those, the Lakers didn't play anybody, and, and, and Devin Booker had to play out of his mind against New Orleans. You're three games out of first. Let's not lose sight of that in the Western Conference. But you are currently fifth. If you drop to seventh 
at the end of the season, you're going to have to play your way into the playoffs. And you're probably going to have to play your way in against Dallas in like a one and done or, you know, you lose this game, you got to go play another game against whoever's in the 9-10 matchup or something like that. You want to be in the top six. Really, you want to be in the top four and really you want to be in the top two. But there's a certain level of, okay, you got to survive with the injuries you have and you got to manage this right. But managing it right and making sure you're peaking going into the playoffs does not mean finishing between 7th and 10th. Let's say those 11 games, Booker misses the majority of them, if not all of them. Will you give me 4-7 and seven over those 11 games for the Suns? Will you give me 4-7? and seven? If Cam's coming back at some point in there, I think it makes it more survivable. Okay, 4-7, and seven, that would put them at 22, or I'm sorry, 23-22. and 22. And that right now, in terms of their, their win-loss total, kind of that kind of thing, would put them around 8th or ninth in the West right now. Yeah. So with Booker coming back, I think my main question for this next uh, week, two weeks, three weeks, whenever Devin Booker comes back, this applies as well if he's, he's, if he's back in a week, is are they still in a playoff spot when he comes back? Currently, they are only a game ahead of Dallas, Portland, and Utah in 7th, 8th, and ninth. They are three games ahead of the Warriors and Timberwolves, who are tied for 10th. Will they be in a playoff spot? I think there's a really good you chance. Mean top six. Right? They're in a yeah. top six spot. I think there's a really good chance they're in a play in spot. And if it goes bad enough, slash other teams get hot, they could be looking at like nine, 10, or 11 by the time he gets back. Yeah, that's uh, not great. And some of that isn't going to change in the sense of like, well, when they get healthy, they'll be good again. Yeah, agreed. Although we don't know what they are now, but it's not like Denver is going to suddenly be bad or Memphis is suddenly going to be bad. It's, the other teams in the West are good. Now, I want to get to this just because we said it briefly before. The DeAndre Ayton, the gateway to being able to trade him is January 15th. I don't think they're trading him on January 15th. I got to believe they're not trading him this season. I guess I shouldn't say that. Uh, But what we said going to break before, you don't think he's here in a year? I know that's just a gut feeling. I know you're not reporting anything. But do you think ultimately he's, they're going to, that's going to be the piece they have to move to make a dramatic change? Yes. I think on uh, Ishbia factors a lot into this, and this is not reporting off of anything that he's intending to do or even looking at the suggested of, of what, how we will handle the tax. But if you have Cam Johnson re-signed and then you have these salaries, you have a whole lot of money. You have a whole, whole lot of money. That puts them in the upper, upper tax bracket. That puts them in the gunslingers territory with the Warriors, with the Nets, with the Clippers in terms of how big their tax bill could get. That means someone would have to go. And if you look up and down the roster, I think there are two guys, DeAndre and, and right now, at least with how he's playing, Chris Paul are the two guys that jump out to you the most out of those five who could be moving on. Yeah. And it's not going to be Chris Paul unless he retires. And from a basketball standpoint, too, I mean, it's just it's just clear that they're not clicking right now and something's off. And based on everything that we've heard, based on the things we saw on the court last week, based on a lot of what we've seen so far, it, it points towards DeAndre Ayton more than anyone else. That's just the fact of the matter. Uh, all right, when we come back, well, first of all, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Um, when we come back, has this season, this Cardinal season, pushed Cliff Kingsbury to the point where he's just flat-out miserable? Uh, according to ESPN, yes. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, story came out on ESPN over the weekend. 
And the title is, Are the Cardinals Nearing the End of the Road with Cliff Kingsbury? And so, Kellen, Kellen Olsen's in for Wolf today. You could see that title, as I did. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I mean, this this story has been written a hundred times already. Are the Cardinals nearing the end of the road? Look out that window. The sky is still blue. Yeah. Yes, kind of grayish blue, today, I yeah. guess, but it's blue. Yeah, the the grass on uh, the leaves there are green. Yeah, yeah. We, so we, we know that stuff. Yeah. But, but then, then you start to read it and you realize, mm-hmm. okay, it's Jeremy Fowler, it's Josh Weinfist. Okay, they worked on this together. All right. Well, if they're working on it together, then I immediately think it's like a book. Uh, it is. It's, I don't know how many words, but it's a lot. But it's, if you're a Cardinals fan, it's worth the read. And, you know, you said this earlier. It, it sort of seems like um, some of it is written, not from the perspective of Cliff Kingsbury, but they reference sources that know Cliff well or people in Cliff's camp. Okay. So that, that might be some of it. But I would encourage you, if you're a Cardinals fan, to just read through it and, and jump to your, or draw your own conclusions. Maybe don't jump to them. Because it, it goes into a few different things. That headline does not sell the story. That headline is, hey, are the Cardinals going to fire Cliff? I mean, the story goes into Cliff might be miserable enough that he just wants out. The story goes into the Cardinals have maybe tied Cliff's hands to the point where he can't even really do what he's good at. And maybe what he's good at isn't going to be good enough for this team anyway. But is he even getting the opportunity to do it? Um, there's a part in there where it, it talks about how Cliff wanted to get rid of Sean Coogler weeks before they got rid of him. We could have done half the show on this. We really, we honestly could, and we probably will do more on it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but oh man, I'll have to miss it. Uh, we'll save some for you on Thursday. Too. <laughs> there's a lot of different directions to go with this, but the one that I want to start with here mm-hmm. was, um, uh, this is pretty deep in the story. It says, I'm quoting from the story now. But in a rare show of public criticism, Kingsbury also addressed Murray's negative body language, saying, I think there's a fine line of not wanting to put your teammates out there on blast. I think that's the biggest thing I talk about is when you're on the field, if there's something, the hands-up gesture, doing stuff like that, kind of outs your teammate on the field, let's get them to the sideline, and we'll talk about it over there, unquote. Um, There's more in here that says there's concern, and some of it from Cliff, that Kyler Murray's negativity is wearing on the whole team. That's the one thing you really don't have the option to change. You can blow out Cliff. You can say, oh, it's all the coach's fault. You can make all these other moves. You are, if Kyler were a problem, you're stuck with Kyler. Hopefully he's not a problem and you have a franchise quarterback to build around. Yeah, I think that this type of story illustrates more or less, if I'm using this word right, like how systemic it can kind of be, right, in terms of just... I think that one of the more underrated things in uh, having someone on your professional sports team is vibes. Just having someone who has got great vibes. It's fun being around Buda Baker. You can attest to this much more than I can. My versions of this on the Suns, I mean, they're a rough example for this because almost everyone on their team, I would say everyone on their team is fun to be around, objectively everyone. But like being around Mikel or Cam Johnson, like I could talk to them all, all day. Like they're the nicest guys to be around. Yeah. And you can just imagine me being the media member who sometimes lights them up on their play, how nice they are to me. You can imagine how nice they are to everyone else. And so this type of thing... You just, didn't even it, play in the NBA, as we found out earlier today. Apparently, geez, I'm such a... Wow. <laughs> uh, but it the inverse of that, and, and the more important part, is when you get people who are not as vibey and in the wrong spots. And if this story is... And I'm not, I'm not trying to be too dramatic here is even close to accurate on Kyler and his attitude and how it affects the team. That is a gigantic problem. It is humongous. It cannot, his attitude just, it, it, 
it's black and white to me. It cannot be a problem on, on the team. It cannot be a problem. Now, can it be a problem? We got into this in a far different, more uh, funny, lighthearted way, talking about Russell Wilson and how weird he is and how you can put it up with it when he's winning Super Bowls, but when you are you have three or four wins and he's doing the weird stuff covering the, his mouth with a football, it is kind of a bit more annoying. But in this kind of way, maybe you can put it up with it in some greater situations where the vibes aren't there necessarily, but... <laughs> Was that Russell Wilson? I don't know what just happened. I I just heard that in my ear and tried to keep moving. That was a little wild. Yeah, you, you can't ignore Russ. Anyway, I th- this situation certainly where the Cardinal season has just been headline after headline after headline after headline after headline, and in negative ways. If his attitude is in there, man, like a lot of people have suspected, that is a whole other can of worms to open because we're talking Cliff a lot, we're talking Kaim a lot. Bidwell is coming up a lot more recently, I think, in the last couple of weeks, and and Kyler deserves to be in there, and he has been in that conversation, but I don't think this part specifically has been in. That matters way more than those other three guys because he's your, you paid, just paid him. Like, he's here for, it's the Russell Wilson problem again in Denver where, like, they, their GM came out today and said, like, we believe we can fix it. It's like, of course you believe that. You have no choice but to believe that. And the the Cardinals have to believe that it either there isn't an attitude problem or if there is, that it will maintain itself and, and correct itself. And the fascinating other can of worms, we already opened one, there's another one. It's like, okay, now do you get rid of Cliff because you believe that he is part of the problem that is causing the Kyler attitude problem? That is, there's a lot, it's dynamic, The this kind of thing. The other quote I wanted to read from the story, this is from the ESPN story, said, quote, before Murray's injury, Kingsbury was described as extremely frustrated with the quarterback per team source. That's not even a Kingsbury source, that's a team source. Believing that his negativity, if not toxic, was starting to get to people around the building, unquote. And that's it right there. I mean, we, we have, Wolf and I have talked on the show a lot, and obviously we're the show that has Cliff on every, every Monday. And so we, we, you know, we get the tweets from people like, no, it's Cliff's fault. They got to move on from Cliff. And it might be, it might 100% be, trust me, I hope it is, because if it's, if Cliff is the problem, they can fix this. If Cliff isn't the problem, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And so anytime on the show over the last few months, I've been like, I don't know that it's all Cliff. You know, maybe maybe it isn't. That wasn't so much like, hey, Cliff's an amazing coach. You got to keep him forever. Uh, it was, if it's not all Cliff, you've got an issue. If it is, even, look, if, if Kyler has a negative attitude, but it's getting better, then okay. If Kyler has a negative attitude because of Cliff, Cliff's gone. But you better hope that everything's fine with the next coach because the other part of the story that comes up is they, they talk about from a few different sources, hey, you know, Cliff's a really likable guy. Uh, his, his players like him and all that stuff. But, you know, can he be the disciplinarian he needs to be? And we got into this briefly earlier, Kellen, but I think the biggest question I've had with this team for the last couple of years, even last year when they were good, I remember saying this on this show last year when they were, I think, 4 or 5-0, and oh, if Kyler got out of line, how would Cliff handle it? You know what I mean? And fortunately, Kyler's not somebody who gets in trouble off the field. It's not something like that. But I mean, like, if, if Kyler's part of the problem on the field, can Cliff call him out in front of the team? I don't know that he can. I, I'm not saying he can't. I'm not in that locker room. But if he can't, then everybody else in that team, even if they like Cliff, they're going to be like, but he can't call out Kyler. And Kyler's a problem. If that's the case, they're in trouble. And when I've joined the show in the past, I, I think a lot of people are, are correct in getting the sentiment that I, I believe most of the problem does not have to do with Kyler Murray specifically. And it might not. And it might not. But 
if this is anything I get, and I mean anything, where like there is just a, even slight notions that his attitude is reflecting poorly on others and is affecting things in that kind of regard, that's just, we haven't said this part, that's just quite frankly unacceptable now. He's in year four. He's 25 years old now. You get paid a lot of money in the NFL as a quarterback partially to lead. Like That's part of the dynamic of that position that's unlike any other in sports where your own leadership really factors into it. Sure, there are guys like Buda Baker, for example, who get paid partially because of their leadership that they bring, but the quarterback is the gold standard there across any sport. So if you look at him right now in year four, you're about to have this extension kick in where it gets even more unacceptable how he's acting if that's the way he's acting. Then that's that's just a gigantic problem because you you just can't it's it's unacceptable for him to even have to be honest to even have this like reported is 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 unacceptable even even if some of it has been exaggerated overblown that kind of thing it's still unacceptable for you to even even come up at all and and that's that's troubling for them long term for for a myriad of reasons because as we've learned in football time after time if you have a team that doesn't believe in your quarterback you're never going to go anywhere ever yeah and i mean look it, it can be you know, kind of back to what you were saying about russell wilson earlier in the show like hey russell's kind of weird but you know when he's winning nobody cares right mm. if things were going well this season if kyler murray's going to be if he's going to be I'm not even going to say Patrick Mahomes, but if he's going to be Justin Herbert or he's going to be somebody, if he's going to be a really, really good quarterback and he's not a bad guy, but he's just kind of a little bit different and he's not really a leader that's going to lead with a good mood. I don't know. Like you said, with the vibes, you know, it's one thing to have a guy on your team that's like, yeah, I don't know about that guy's vibe. It just it kind of brings everybody down. It's another thing that that guy's your starting quarterback. And so, again, I'm not trying to say that is the case, but if it is the case, that doesn't mean Kyler's a bad guy. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean he's like purposely out there trying to to sabotage the team because he's unhappy. It's not any of that. It just might be he's not really gonna like lead the team in that way. So if he's not gonna lead the team in that way, he better be leading them on the field. And this year he hasn't been. I know he's hurt now, but even before he was hurt, he was really good in the second half of that Raiders game. And there are moments where he looks really good and we know he can be really good. But if you're not gonna pick your teammates up one way, then you just need to be so good that they don't need picked up. The the Raiders game is a perfect example to bring up to stick with the the Russell point all the way through the segment here of yeah, he's weird, but he won us the Super Bowl, and he's a really, really good quarterback. And then if if any if this is true with Kyle, it's like yeah, he can be annoying sometimes. But look at that magic he just did! Like it's he's he's mad that that was magical what yeah. he did against the Raiders, and that's that's part of this too is his regression this year. That's the big word we've been using with him regression. To put it kindly, that this is a guy that you and I talked about heading into the summer. I was like, I think he's going to end the year and he's going to be a top five quarterback and he's going to do the Herbert jump basically from like pretty good. We like this young guy too. Like he's one of the future stars of the league. He, he's not future star. He's one of the stars of the league. I thought he would be like a legit, like you teams want this guy over like, you know, maybe not top five, but like top seven, top eight for sure. Yeah, and if he's that guy, he can kick a trash can in the hallway when he's pissed and have people roll their eyes at it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but he hasn't been that guy this year. No. Uh, All right, if you are headed to the college football semifinal at State Farm Stadium, get the party started at the College Football Hall of Fame. Free tailgate starting at 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Music, food, beverages, and special guests will make this tailgate party memorable. Admissions free, 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. When we come back... J.J. Watt announcing his retirement earlier today. Still got two more games, but he uh, is retiring at the end of the season. We'll react to that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
final segment of the show. And in case you are just jumping in the car, you've been doing real work all day or whatever, um, you've missed it. This was J.J. Watt's tweet just before our show today. Said, uh, this is, quote, Koa's first ever NFL game. My last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. And he's got a picture of him, you know, with his with his kid um, after the game on the field on uh, on Sunday. So he's retiring. JJ Watt. This will be. He's not like done right now. He's still got two more games. He's not just like leaving with two games left. But he's got the game against Atlanta this weekend, and then he will wrap up his career. In San Francisco in week 18, and uh, Kellen, we're talking about, I know he's only been here for a year and a half now, or almost two full years, but you're talking about, in terms of just raw talent, one of the best players that has ever put on a Cardinals uniform. Not one of the best Cardinals ever, because he didn't, hadn't played here very long. Yeah. But one so, of the best players. So the way I want to contextualize this to wrap up in a way we haven't talked about it uh, in this kind of way yet, and at Wolf and Luke is, uh, is the Twitter. Go ahead and tweet us your answers to this, too, because we want to know what you guys think. I want to know what Luke thinks here, and that's why I'm going to ask him Kellen this question. Kellen coming in here activating the All of you guys this question as well. We cannot say he's one of the best Cardinals of all time, but there are situations where teams get a really great all-time player for just a year or two, and you almost want to include them in there, but their longevity isn't there. So the way that I'm going to phrase it is and ask you, when I bring up the apex, like meaning the the best that they have played, like that height that they reached, is J.J. Watt come up to you in the conversation? You kind of already answered it, but the automatic names that I think of in Cardinals history when it comes to like, this guy was at the height of his powers. This they didn't have in, to hit their height here. They're they don't even have to hit their height here because okay. JJ Watt's height wasn't here. But when I look at JJ Watt and the best he was as a as a defensive player for the Cardinals, he's one of the best they've ever had in terms of looking at it that way. I've thought about this a lot the last few years because I think DeAndre Hopkins might be the best football player that I've ever seen put on a Cardinals jersey before ever. And I know I'm saying that at the same position that uh, a guy used to play there named Larry Fitzgerald, who's pretty awesome. And that's Wait, like really the controversial thing your, to say. Uh, your Twitter address. I said too. maybe. I would still think about it. But the other guys that come to mind, I mean, like Chandler Jones in the last couple of years, going back a little bit later, you think about like Calais Campbell, Simeon Rice is a name. Obviously, Kurt Warner comes up on the defensive side. I mean, I know everyone hates Patrick Peterson even more after the last month, let alone how much they hated him a year ago. But you think about the all pro very he best, was like seven ish years ago at his super duper height of his powers. But is JJ Watt in the so I'm saying when I'm having this conversation like 10 15 years from now for my Cardinals friends fans and we we're discussing like all time apex, like I'm gonna bring up JJ Watt in the conversation. Okay, I want clarification on a, I'm gonna throw two names at you, okay? Yeah. One, you just said a bunch of names. Did you say Anquan Bolden's name in there? I did not, and I should have. Okay. A great guy for this, by the way, is Daryl Washington. So, like, you think about Daryl Washington when he was a monster, but then he kind of just disappeared, and his football trajectory went a different way. But he's, like, a really good example to bring up when you think about this kind of thing. Does Emmett Smith count? Sure. Okay, well, then Emmett Smith's got to be up there, even though he was that, nowhere near. The, that first year, first year of Furtick? The second year, he almost had 1,000 rushing yards yeah. with the Cardinals. Look, it, it's not based on anything he did with the Cardinals. It's based on the fact that he has over 18,000 career rushing yards. Well, you yards. can't treat him like Shaq. We can't. So if, think about this discussion with Shaq for the Suns. No way. Okay, so then Emmett Smith's not on the list because J.J. Watt was good when That's he was That's why I was here. saying the first year for Emmett Smith, yeah. Okay, so we're going... You're basing it on Shaq is the bad example. Daryl Washington is the really good example. Just the apex of their play. Aeneas Williams was more of a here. more of a constant, but you think about prime, prime Aeneas Williams. He's in the conversation too. Yeah, he is. Um, okay, give me three. Cut it down to three. The top three? Yeah, so JJ was probably not in the top three. No, he's not in the top three. Hopkins probably. The problem is, I'm thinking receivers. I'm thinking Hopkins. I'm Fitz. thinking Fitz. 
Patrick and Peterson. Glenn Bolton was really good. Yeah, Patrick Peterson is is probably man. It's tough to say. Honey Badger in the mix at all? Um, in the mix, probably not top three, but yeah. certainly in the mix. I mean, they have they have had some really good players here, which is makes it that much more frustrating. Tillman really was, players Tillman was team. awesome for like for yeah. like a year. He was very solid overall, but he had a year or two where like he was the man. Darnell Dockett had a couple of those years too. Chandler Jones. I, look, I know last year wasn't anything special, but go back. You know, there was a good two or three year stretch in there where he was like, there's not many pass rushers I'd rather have than Chandler Jones at that time. Nobody cut that audio and play it in 2022, but like in 2019, 2018. Ron Wolfley. Certainly Wolfley. <laughs> if you're building your all time, maybe we should put it this way. If you're building your all time Cardinals team, is JJ Watt on it? Yeah, so again, tweet this at me. Top three Apex. I'm talking Apex. So again, Emmett Smith is a really good example. Emmett Smith, one of the best running backs of all time, but was he at his Apex? But or, let's take Emmett out because... Let's take him out. Okay. Shaq is the good example of how you pick a guy not like this. Uh, <laughs> I So I'm going to go Hop, I'm gonna go Hopkins and Fitz are the two. I think they have to be the two in your top three because we just watch Hop on a week-to-week basis do stuff and we're like, oh my but Kurt God. Warner's got to be in there too. Kurt Warner did take him to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl before he got here. So Kurt Warner's got to be there. Okay, and he so has a movie made about him. Okay, let's let's treat Fitz and Warner as the two no doubters then because of what they did and what, how they got to a Super Bowl. I agree. Who's the third guy then? Is it Hop? Is it Peterson? Are you including Chandler Jones or JJ Watt in there? Chandler Jones was the best sack artist in the league for the five years he was here. He was the he was the best I statistically. I think those objectively. are your five, although I guarantee you somebody's driving around right now being like, you Th- idiot. Thinking of someone who played one. 15 years before I was born, yeah, and, and not as a slight to the people saying that, but it's just like, I don't have the reference point. Well, or or we really are just forgetting somebody because we're doing this off the top of our head, but if you want to... A-Dub? Yeah. That's, yeah. A-Dub was pretty great. I mean, Buda Baker, too. I would, yeah. I would put Buda in there. That's what's frustrating is they have some of these guys right now, and they have four wins. Oh, Otis Anderson is one. We're, we're from way back. I think if you were going... Warner, Fitz, Hopkins, Chandler, and uh, Patrick Peterson, those five have to be on any top ten. Let me let me put it that way to, to do this as safely as possible. Those five have to be in your top ten of all-time Cardinals. But what's tough is, like, I don't know that I could put Watt in there because he hasn't played that many games. That's where it's like, Watt, Watt is... <sighs> Watt does not fall into the Emmett Smith Shaq category that you're talking about. But he also can't fall into the, like... Chandler Jones category because we I think I think we got Chandler's best we didn't get Watts best but Watts been good your game has bent my mind into a pretzel Kellen and I feel like you just left I'm seeing if anyone has replied to us and no one has tweeted at us yet shame on all of you come on like I need I need some help here we need some help here I had one guy calling me an idiot for saying the Bengals aren't a Super Bowl contender (laughs) I'm gonna call you an idiot when they bounce get bounced in the first round so I'll be back I'll remember that tweet we're gonna have Kellen back on the show can you just do me this favor if the Bengals get bounced in the first round and we have you on in four weeks or whatever three weeks to talk Suns can you just do that can you call out whoever it was that said the Bengals uh, are a Super Bowl contender although I I feel good I feel good about Warner and Fitz I have to pick one for the third spot. I don't think you can do because I don't think you can do it because there's, there's too much of a range to if you're going to narrow it down. I'm going to do Pat. Spots. I'm going to do Pat. I think Pat was unquestionably the best player at his position. I just said you like, couldn't do it and you instantly did it. So, but the thing with him is I don't think hop hop at wide out. There's so many different guys which you have to include in the conversation. Even last year, like you have to include other wide receivers as the best wide receiver in the NFL. When Pat was at his apex, he was the best corner, and there was a drop off after him. He was the best. I don't want to end the show on this note, but ultimately, when we're having this conversation in 10 years... Someone just said Chris Johnson, CJ2K. 
Yeah, I mean that's a good call. His apex wasn't here again, but his at his apex, he's one of the best of all. He's time. in the discussion. That's a good call. Adrian Peterson. See, that's again. If that's like the Shaq example <laughs> more so. Yeah, but if, he was he was good here. But if you uh, ultimately if we're playing this game in ten years, by the time I figured out exactly the rules, uh, Kyler Murray has to be in the top three, doesn't he? Otherwise, things are about to go really sideways. Like he's not there now, but you did take him number one overall, and he's a quarterback, and you gave him a quarter of a billion dollars. When we have this conversation in ten years, he needs to be a clear cut. We were just having fun talking about greatness, and now you have to bring up the fact. Like you, you mentioned his injury at one segment, and I forgot. I had forgotten that you he forgot that he was hurt. I forgot that he was hurt, and I was like, oh, that's right. Larry Centers, <laughs> don't change the subject. I think the fact that you've had. Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre. JJ's Hopkins. in my top ten. I'll put him in that top ten. After flushing it out and thinking about it, I'd put him in the top ten. Even though his apex was somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, like game. just the way the tackles were losting, I keep going back to that. Like he, he he just did it in a way I've never seen anyone do it in a Cardinals jersey before. It's crazy. All right. Gonna miss watching him play, man. Gonna do it when you get two more weeks of it. Uh yeah. thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to Kellen Olson for stepping in for Wolf today. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. See you Thursday. All right. I'm Luke. We got uh, Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.